I really do activities that are not difficult, that you can pull together in a few minutes that will occupy your kids' time. And I test them on my kids. So I know like they're good. So I think because I'm testing them on my kids, my kids are in the videos and, and that they're simple. I mean, I really think the simplicity is like the key to it all. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Mums, the podcast, the show which helps marketers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs sell more effectively to the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Each fortnight, we bring you a deep diving interview with a marketing specialist from around the globe who can help you gain insights about this influential consumer. Let's hear from our host, Katrina McCarter. Hello and welcome. It's Katrina McCarter, your podcast host. Today on the show, we are talking to Andrea Scalzo-Yee. Andrea is the founder of Raising Dragons, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that today on the show. And we are going to be talking about creating winning content because Andrea has been an absolute master at doing this. And we're going to be talking about what content is compelling, what are the right social channels, but also what's the right form to deliver your content in. So I hope you enjoy listening to the show. Today, our guest on the show is Andrea Scalzo-Yee, the founder of the amazingly popular Raising Dragons community of parents and carers. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, delighted to have you on the show. Now, Andrea, we actually first met, I think it was uh, 2018 in New York, where we were both speaking at the uh, same conference. And I was really taken with your journey from working in fashion for Donna Karen through to launching what has become a hugely successful community, attracting more than 1 million parents with Raising Dragons. Big congratulations there. Can you share with us a little bit about that journey and how it all started? Sure. Well, um, it, I guess it started back in college. I majored in engineering, and I so I was always very into the math and science world. And when I graduated, I moved to New York City working for a consulting firm, basically building out websites for large companies, and it really just wasn't my passion. And then just through a random occurrence almost like I had a friend that worked at this company that moved on and worked at Donna Karen. And I was like, how did you get a job working as an assistant to Donna Karen? And she's like, it's funny you emailed me because like five minutes ago, they asked me if I knew of anyone that wanted this job. It was literally like such a serendipitous moment. And so I left this very technology driven job to work in the fashion world as Donna Karen's assistant. And, um, as a young girl right out of college, it was an amazing experience. But I, I ended up staying at Donna Karen for over a decade. I, mo- I transitioned into the buying office. So I became a buyer in charge of their Donna Karen collection stores. And so I sort of had this background of fashion and engineering. And I loved being able to be a buyer because there was a very analytical aspect of it. But I got to still work with like the beauty and the design of fashion. And then after I got married, I started having kids. I have four sons now, but I had two sons while we lived in New York and we just decided we needed to move out of the city. And so we settled about an hour and a half away. And 
from there, I worked at Destination Maternity doing like strategic partnerships for them. But then ultimately, after I had my fourth son, I decided to stay home for a while just because everything was getting too much to juggle. And it was I knew it was going to be my last child and I wanted to be home and just sort of take it all in. And then after um, not working full time for about six months, I started to realize I needed some outlet besides just being home with the kids. And so that's sort of where Raising Dragons was born. I had seen, I had friends that were full-time bloggers or influencers, so I knew it could be done, but I I just, I didn't know really know what I was doing yet and I didn't know how I wanted to do it. And video was sort of starting to become a bigger thing. I was starting to see it pop up on Facebook. So I really just came up with a concept. I, I wanted to do something that incorporated my kids because I was like, if I'm going to be home and I'm going to start a business, I'd love to be able to do something where I'm doing things with them. That would just be the dream for me. My kids were really into doing experiments and, and I was finding like I couldn't figure out what to do with them and I was busy, so I didn't have a lot of time. So that's sort of where the concept was born. I thought, I would want to consume content this way. I'd want to see a video of a quick thing I could do with my kids. So that's where Raising Dragons was born. I thought of the name because I feel like I'm raising dragons. They're crazy. They're amazing. You know, Um, and I checked and the domains were available. So, you know, I just sort of like started setting everything up and it was really like a day by day thing. And then I, I'm not a great writer. So I think I did start writing some blog posts and I was like, this is not going to be for me. So that's when I sort of turned to the video and I was like, I have an iPhone, I can make videos. And I just started doing simple experiments and activities and posting them and really just telling my friends about it. And then people were starting to share my content. And then, so Facebook was really where I started thinking I had something. And so I started learning more about Facebook and what people, sh- why people share content. I sort of started to figure out the inner workings of what Facebook works and networking, sort of meeting other people in the space virtually. And then I kept putting out content and my videos, a couple of my videos just started to hit and get shared by bigger pages. And then once the bigger pages shared me, then, you know, everybody can share. That's the brilliance of Facebook, right? Like if you produce something that people people like they, and they want to show their friends, then they just share it. And that's how videos go viral. So I've had many videos go viral on Facebook and that was really where my growth started. And then um, since then I've, I've just learned how to build a, a blog, you know, what, how to write a blog post. And then I've used that Facebook traffic to move the, some of them over to Instagram. I have found ways to let them know I'm on Instagram and then YouTube and, and it's sort of just branched out that way. It's a fantastic story. I just love your depth of experience in completely different industries, but also how you've managed to, because your boys are quite young, aren't they? They're The four boys are under 12? Yes. Uh, my oldest is 11 and then I have a nine, seven and a four-year-old. But when I started this three years ago, so when I started, they were like one to eight, I would say. So we were heavy into needing ideas to do around the house. And with that, you've really tapped into what mums want. So I really congratulate you. Now, I know that Raising Dragons provides STEAM activities for kids. And I, I want to really get clear, what are we talking about when, we're to- when we say STEAM? Sure. So STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. And so I try to keep most of my 
um, activities focused on one, at least one of those areas. Now, uh, because my kids were sort of younger when I started, I, I tried to make it something that they could sort of all be interested in. And then for my youngest, who was really like a toddler at the time, I started adding activities appropriate for toddlers because parents are looking for activities for them as well. And really that preschool age of, you know, four to five preschool kindergarten where kids are at home still, but parents are really trying to figure out things to do. So that's sort of my sweet spot, I would say. Although many of my activities work for older kids as well, they kind of work across the board. And I know something works well when all of my kids are into it. So that's sort of how I test my ideas. So, you know, science experiments are always fun. It's sort of just teaching a basic concept and getting kids interested. It doesn't have to be anything fancy at all. You know, we want them to question things, to be curious, to experiment, to try new things. So, you know, if you can find just simple ways of doing that with kitchen supply or things you have around the house already, then um, it's really rewarding to see as a parent and it's fun to do as a kid. And that's what I love. Like uh, I've had a really good look over your community over the over the years and what should develop and it's so simple. It's things that you have in the pantry and that's what I think really appeals to parents. Marketing to Mums, the podcast, is proudly brought to you by the Marketing to Mums Assessment. This personalised diagnostic report will help you understand how your brand is currently performing in your Marketing to Mums activities. The Marketing to Mums Assessment will clearly identify your gaps and opportunities and provide you with a series of recommendations to attract, engage and convert more mothers and their families to your business. You can find out more about Marketing to Mums Assessment on the website at www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash assessment. I know that you've actually grown your community organically and we're talking about a, a million parents, which is kind of really unheard of in these this day and age where we hear that, you know, Facebook is very much a pay-to-play platform, but uh, you've really had enormous organic success. And I wanted to delve into why do you think that you have been so successful and what is it about your content that you think has really resonated with parents and carers? Yeah, I, I mean, I really think it goes back to the simplicity of my ideas and my activities because, you know, I do see a lot of crafts and things online that if, if I see a box cutter or a hot glue gun, I'm like, forget about it. So, you know, I, I, I'm, we're busy. I don't, I'm not craft. I'm really not a crafty person. I don't consider myself crafty at all. So I really do activities that are not difficult that you can pull together in a few minutes that will occupy your kids time. And I test them on my kids. So I know like they're good. Sometimes I think I have a great idea and I, I get it all ready and like, there's no interest from my kids. So, you know, it's out the window. So I think, because I'm testing them on my kids, my kids are in the videos, it really makes it and and that they're simple. I mean, I really think the simplicity is like the key to it all. It, you know, I try to keep it somewhat educational and learning some skill because then it's like worth our time. It's entertaining for them. We feel good about it. So 
Is there a particular STEAM activity which has been more popular than another? Like is technology or art more popular? Well, science experiments are always a big hit, I will say. And some art activities, a lot of times process art, meaning it's all about, you know, it's not necessarily about the outcome. It's about the process of doing it. So we have one where I take water balloons and we dip them in paint and then paint them on the paper. So it's, you know, it's, and it actually turns out really beautiful, but It's not about the art at the end. It's about having fun. It's about getting messy, you know, and it's about being easy to set up. But also I will say anything educational, because I have a lot of preschool parents that are are interested, things that help with letter recognition, number recognition, anything like that is also usually really successful with things like you would, you could find around the house. Like, like we, for example, found that milk carton lids fit very nicely inside of orange juice lids. So we label the orange juice lids with the capital A and the, the milk carton lids, with the lowercase A, and they fit nicely inside. So it's a nice little matching game. So I didn't initially set out to do letter recognition activities like that, but the response was so great because I think parents that are at home with their kids want to make sure their kids are learning their letters and their numbers and their shapes and things like that. So I have expanded to include those types of activities. And also anything sensory is very successful usually. Have you noticed if um, any of the activity preferences have changed since we've all been engaging in remote learning or, you know, homeschooling? Yes. Well, I definitely think they have in terms of just easy things you have around the house more than ever, because sometimes it'll be like, well, if you order these craft sticks or something, this will help you need that for this activity. Now it's like I did an indoor obstacle course with things you already have around. It's literally things you have around the house that you can like give to your kids to set up. So the easier and what we already have is key at this point. Fantastic. Now, I know that video has uh, been a big part of your success and you've touched on that already. I know that you've had more than at least 20 of your videos go viral since you've launched them. And I know that you've actually had one that's had more than 30 million views. Can I ask a little bit more about, you know, what was that most successful video activity that you did? Yes. So it was writing letters in sprinkles using a paintbrush. So it, it just, you get a tray of sprinkles and I gave him a paintbrush. It was, it was my, my third son at the time was four or five and tr- learning how to write his letters. And, you know, I shot it on a very clean white background. So the sprinkles on the tray really stood out. And I, I don't know, you know, you don't necessarily know exactly why something goes viral, but I could, after looking at all the comments through the years, there were a few things I could take away from that. One, sprinkles make people happy. And, and there were lots of comments about, oh, my kid would eat them or my kid would throw them. So there was conversation started there just with it being sprinkles, right? Or how it would work. It's, you know, many people are like, this is a fabulous idea. But then some people are like, oh, my kid would just, just eat them all or, you know. <laughs> Also, I will say like my son's hair was a mess. So some people commented on that and he was holding the paintbrush incorrectly. Some people commented on that. So there, I think there were many reasons why it went viral, but mostly for good reasons. Because every time I post it, people tag their friends, they share it. They want to tell people about it. Sensory writing trays are actually a great way to learn letters. It makes learning fun. Kids will want to do it. It's better than sitting with a pencil and asking them to write their letters, right? So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that one just hit a nerve. And, you know, I've done many other sensory writing ones and none of them do as well as the sprinkles. So there's something about sprinkles, I think. 
Okay. So listen, how important do you feel that video has been in your success? Because I know we've touched on this a number of times already in the interview and it seems like it's quite an integral part of of your success. Is is that something you'd agree with? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's been a huge part of every platform that I've been involved in and it's been the basis of everything. I mean, I do have the website where I'll write out the steps for many of the activities. So that's a good place for people to go. But my key has always been doing these like one minute videos where you can get the gist of what's going on and just a little blurb about how to set it up. And and I think the social media platforms have all really embraced video and given it favorable algorithm love, so to speak, in terms of giving you reach, just allowed me to grow organically. Which is great. Now, listen, I know many brands and business owners often shy away from using video because they think that it's really expensive to produce. But I know that your experience has actually been quite different and I'd love you to share with us just how easy it is to record and edit your videos on your phone and I'd love you to share which tool you are using. Sure. So I almost exclusively do everything on my iPhone and I always have. Like I do need to get on at times to label my posts on Facebook or change the titles and stuff. But I really, I was running around with my kids. So I needed to be able to do everything on my phone if I'm waiting in a parking lot or whatever. So I shoot the videos on my phone. I have a tripod and I have a little sunroom here that gets great natural light. So like the one thing you do always need that works the best, in my opinion, is natural light. So pick the sunniest place you can find. And I use like a white, as clean of a background as I can, because I really want to keep the focus on the activity and my phone and a tripod and I shoot it. And then I have an app, I think it's called Video Shop. I think it was like $2.99 when I bought it. And I, I edit the videos on there. I know how to use it now. So I was not a video editor by any means. I, I really don't even know how to use iMovie, to be honest. But I, I'm used to Video Shop. I just edit it and then I download it to my phone and then I upload it right from my phone to Facebook or Instagram or, you know, all those places. And then if I have to get on my computer to maybe edit some of the text or anything like that, I'll do that. But it's pretty much from my phone. Yeah, I just love the simplicity of every, you know, how you approach all of this, Andrea. It's It's been fantastic and I think that there's so much for other business owners and brands to learn from this. We really see that mums love video. It comes up time and a time and again in my research and we know that Facebook is allowing businesses to start really monetizing their videos if they're longer than three minutes. I'm keen to understand how do you balance mum's preferences for short videos with the opportunity to monetize your business by creating that longer video format? And what do you believe, so a little bit of a two-pronged question, what do you believe is the ideal video length for brands who want to attract and engage with mothers? Yeah, I mean, I really think for the type of thing I do and what moms are looking for in terms of messaging, a minute is even really long, to be honest. I mean, most of my videos don't even get watched through the whole minute. So it's really about that first, well, it's about the first three seconds to grab them. And then it's about the first 10 seconds to like get a lot of it in. So the three minutes for me on Facebook, I am playing with it a little bit, but I think most people don't stick around that long. I think that's a really long time for most messaging. 
I think YouTube is better for the longer format. And there I'm actually, so I'm sort of focusing more of my energy on YouTube in terms of doing compilations of a lot of my activities together, because I think that's a good way to showcase them while still kind of moving through the activities. I think the ideal length is under a minute for sure. And, you know, I think most of the time, especially on Facebook, moms are in the grocery store in the, you know, well, maybe not now, but normally, you know, we're waiting to pick up our kids. We're in the grocery store. Now we maybe have a little more time because we're sitting at home, but we're busy. We don't have a lot of time. So you got to get right to the point. Your podcast host, Katrina McCarter, has launched her second book, Called The Mother of All Opportunities, this book has been written for board directors, C-suite, senior marketers, and business owners to shine a light on the enormous opportunities for growth which exist in the mum market. Katrina demonstrates why now is the right time to rethink your relationship with the world's most powerful consumer, mums. Fast-track your brand and build a competitive advantage by gaining critical research-based insights into this massive and underserved market. If you live in Australia, you can get your copy from www.marketingtomums.com.au forward slash book. If you live overseas, you can get your copy from Amazon. I want to switch gears a little bit here and ask you a little bit about Pinterest because I know that it's been really successful for you in recent times. Actually, I believe it's delivering more than 8 million views a month for you on just on your videos. Is that almost half or more than half your website traffic? It is. Yes. Again, I'm going to go back to video because I would say uh, maybe a year and a half ago, they started allowing video posts. So I put all of my best videos on there. I just sort of did a dump of like all my content and it just took off. Like I don't even do that much with Pinterest. I don't pin every day. I don't, I just, when I have a new video, I put it up there. I put it in a couple groups that I'm in and like they just keep going. I, I really, a video for me has been everything. I could not crack the Pinterest code. And then when they started favoring video, I had all this content to share. And so I just put it up and it, it took off. We've, we've always seen that Pinterest had really strong US traffic, but uh, in more recent times, we've really started to see that shifting. And a lot of Australian brands are having are starting to have a lot of success with Pinterest. And it's certainly on the radar now of a lot of Australian brands. One of the questions I wanted to ask was that you derive your income from working with brands And can you share a little bit about how it is that you actually work with brands? Yeah. So a lot of, usually brands will approach me. I don't do a big outreach and they'll have an idea for a campaign that they'll want me to be a part of, or they'll have a product that, you know, like toy companies, especially around the holidays, they'll want me to feature their, their products. If I feel like it's a good fit um, and I believe in the product, then I will partner with them usually to make a video. Sometimes I've just done still imaging too, but uh, most of the time I try to make it about an activity because I know that's what my audience wants to see. So even if it's like a cleaning supply or something, I will still bring it back to how can we use that product in an activity? Because ultimately that's what 
my followers want to see and that's what will resonate with them. And sometimes even if it is a paid post, but it's a great activity, they'll still share it. Like it's just, it's about the activity, but then the messaging will be able to get out to more people. So that's always my goal. Yeah. Fantastic. And do you work with brands on a short-term or a long-term basis? And like, are there any brands that you are producing ongoing content for? I don't have someone that I just have on retainer, but I have done like six month partnerships with brands. Some brands will come back every year around the same time. So it just varies. Sometimes they just have one and done. So it's sort of been all over the map, really. Yeah. Okay. Now, listen, we actually have a really large number of marketers and business owners who listen to the show, many of them obviously looking to attract and connect with mums. Are there kind of three or four tips that you could share with them to assist them in creating winning content? Because this is something you do so well. Oh, thanks. I guess I would say keep it simple. Like don't overly complicate your message, right? Be helpful try to address a pain point for them. You, you know, I'm always thinking about, is this helpful? That is this thing that I'm making going to help a mom? What, what am I, what am I giving to them? And then make it fun and playful and colorful. Like I always try to, I, I am very minimal in my um, backgrounds so that you can keep the focus on the activity. And I always try to make the activity as bright and as colorful and as fun as possible. So I would say those would be my tips. Yeah, I think that they're great tips. Uh, We certainly see a drive towards mothers looking for that fun, light and colourful and playful communications as well. So I I can really see that 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 would resonate well with them. I wanted to ask, Andrea, what's next for you? What are you up to? I wrote my first book of activities that actually came out last December. It was called 100 Easy Steam Activities. And it's a book much like my pages in my site, but filled with some of my favorite activities that you may have seen on the pages, but mostly new activities. So it's actually been perfect for right now when people are at home because it's most of the materials you will already have at home. They're not difficult to set up. If you have older kids, like I would say eight or nine and up, they can do them all themselves pretty much. But I even have a chapter in there for toddlers. So I have activities for sort of all ages in the book. And it really comes with a description of what the science is behind the activity or experiment and different variations you can even do on it. So that was a big push for me. And it's still something I talk about quite a bit. And then I've also launched the Raising Dragon shop. And I just launched that last November. So it's still sort of a work in progress, but it's gotten great response so far. And I really just have a curated assortment of educational toys and kits or do-it-yourself activities because I just found that even when for Amazon is very big in the US anyway, and even when I'm trying to find a gift for someone or something for my kids, they have a birthday present or a gift card from Amazon, it's hard to find which toys are good or which things I should order for them. So I wanted to sort of create a place with an assortment that of my favorite things so that parents know they could go there and find like that perfect gift or that perfect activity for their child. And then I'm also creating some sensory kits and steam kits. And I'm sort of working on my own products too, that will be sold through the site that are being sold through the site actually. So I'm, I'm moving into my product phase, I would say. <laughs> 
Fantastic. Now, I just wanted to ask, on the book, is that available via Amazon or how, how would people get hold of that book? It's on Amazon or Book Depository. I know you can get it in here in the US. You can get it at Target or Barnes & Noble. Um, in Canada, it's Indigo, I think. It's, it's very, pretty widely available. Okay, fantastic. We'll make sure that we have the links in the show notes to the book and also uh, the Raising Dragon shop as well, so people can have a look have a look at that as well. Now, Andrea, if people wanted to connect with you and learn more about Raising Dragons, what's the best way for them to do so? Sure. Well, then you can email me at andrea at raisingdragons.com or just head on over to raisingdragons.com and you can check out our website. Or you can go on Facebook. You know, we're on social media. So Facebook's at Raising Dragons. So is Pinterest at Raising Dragons. And then um, Instagram is at Raising Dragons 4. So any of those places. Fantastic. I will make sure again that we put those in the show notes so they're easy for our listeners to get in contact with you. Andrea, can I say it has been fabulous to reconnect and to be able to talk about uh, your great success in creating such engaging content that appeals to mothers. Congratulations on all your success and thank you for sharing your knowledge and tips and being part of Marketing to Mums, the podcast. Oh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't that a great interview with Andrea? Mothers are increasingly rejecting corporate sales messages. They're really seeking out engaging, valuable content from brands. And I think Raising Dragons, huge organic success is a real testament to this. STEAM is clearly an area of interest for a growing number of parents across the globe. For our listeners, I wanted to ask you, how long has it been since you've done an audit of your content? Are you delivering compelling content that are really going to attract mothers? And are you sharing your content in the right format and social channels? I challenge you to undertake a review of your content marketing strategy. Take on board the tips that Andrea has shared with us today to ensure that you've got the right format, the right social channels, and to start with, the right compelling content. Thanks for listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. You've been listening to Marketing to Mums, the podcast. The show which helps you drive sales and profit in your organization by developing a deeper understanding of the world's most powerful consumer, mums. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review and tell us what your key takeaway was or who your favorite guest was and why. If you would like to get the show notes from today's episode or any of the links mentioned, all you need to do is head to marketingtomums.com.au forward slash podcast. Don't forget to sign up to receive an email to let you know when the next episode is released. Thanks for listening.